Anybody excited about this series today? Anybody love Jesus at Strauss Square? Want you to look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best. Just say neighbor. God loves blank. Look at your other neighbor, the one you ignored. Say other neighbor. God loves blank. Over the next six weeks, we're going to go on a journey together. And we are going to fill in the blank of God loves blank. I know some of you in here, you have tiptoe anticipation. You're like, oh, I can't wait to fill in the blanks. We're going to fill in the blanks for six weeks in this series. But before we even fill in the blank of who God loves, can I tell you who I hate? I know that's a bad way to start a message, but can I tell you hate's a bad word? Can I tell you who I strongly dislike and have a disdain for? I strongly dislike people who hurt and mistreat my kids. All the parents in here are shaking their head. All the parents in here are going, I feel you on that one. Because if you have kids, you know that anytime somebody hurts or mistreats one of your kids, something on the inside of you rises up and it makes you feel some type of way when people treat your children wrong. I'm telling you, I have issues with people that mistreat or hurt my kids. And I realize all three of my beautiful humans, I think we got a picture of them. There they are right there. They're cute. They're still in the sanctification process. I know they're not all saved. But if you treat them poorly or you hurt them, I'm going to feel some type of way. And I'm not just talking about like a teacher or like a coach or something. I'm talking about other kids. Yes. I'm, I'm confessing this to you. I am a preacher of the gospel, graduated from Bible college, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. However, I am tempted to kick a kid <laughs> if that kid messes with my kid. And here's the real and raw reality that if you treat one of my kids wrong, there's not really much you can do to compensate for that. Like, you can give me an offering. You can come to church. You can sing me songs. But none of that will compensate for you treating one of my kids poorly. It works in reverse as well. Because how many know, one of the greatest ways you can show me that you love me is to treat my kids right. Matter of fact, one of the greatest ways you can let me know that you honor me is by how you honor my children. I hope you see where I'm going with this today because this is the construct, this is the framework around this series God loves blank. Because this is not really a series for us to dive into the capacity of God's infinite ability to love us. Because how many of you know, God knows how to love. He has proven his love for us. If you ever doubt God's love for you, look at Jesus on a cross with his arms stretched out wide. And with his arms stretched out wide, he says, this is how much I love you. This is how much I care for you. As a matter of fact, God is so good at love, he doesn't just do it, he is it. 
He is love personified. It is not something that he does. It is something that he is. So anytime you're talking about love, you have to include God in the conversation because he is love. So this isn't a series about us going into the depths of God's love, but this is a series about us increasing our capacity to love other people. This is about you and I filling in the blanks so that people around us, people in our community, people, watch this, that you don't like, can know that they are loved by God. This is a series over the next six weeks that we're going to fill in the blanks on the love of God. And the reality is, it's only six weeks, but how many you know, it could go on and on and on. We could fill in the blank with all kinds of people. Matter of fact, in this series, I'll just give you a preview of the coming attraction. We're going to talk about how God loves addicts. We're going to talk about how God loves families. We're going to talk about how God loves prisoners. We're going to talk about how God loves the LGBT community. We're going to talk about how God loves families. We're going to talk about how God loves Dallas. We're going to talk about how God loves the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. He has to. You got to keep praying for him. We're going to talk about how God loves the world. This series is going to go on and on. It could because we're going to learn how in the world do we increase our capacity to love. It reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples in John 13. He said to them, the world will know you are my disciples, not by how you jump up and down in church, not by how you sing, but by how you love. That's how they will know that you are one of my disciples. We're gonna do what Paul does in Ephesians chapter three when he prays this prayer. Look at what Paul prays to the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is our year we've been declaring as a church that we want to go, we want to go deeper. And if you're going to go deeper, then your love for other people has to go deeper. See, when we're talking about loving other people and filling in the blank, love is not like a class that you graduate and you just throw your little tassel on the other side and you're like, I'm good, I know how to love humanity, I've passed that class. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. It's actually like going deep sea diving. And in the same way, a deep sea diver has to keep going deeper and deeper so that their lung capacity can handle going deeper. God wants to stretch our love capacity in this series so that we can fill in the blank. Because if God is going to show his love to other people, guess who he's going to do it through? He's going to do it through you. So I'm not going to be before you long today, but today we're going to fill in the first blank. And in order to do that, I want to go to the gospel of Luke chapter number 15. You ready to fill in the first blank? Luke chapter 15, and I want to read verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to make you stand for the reading of God's word, but Luke 15, starting at verse number 1, let's fill in the first blank. And it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. You know you big mad when you start muttering. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders 
and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Somebody give God some praise for that right there. Rejoicing. That's what we're going to do when every single one of these candidates get baptized today. We're going to do what's happening in heaven. We're going to throw a big old party and rejoice. But when you look at this parable in Luke 15, it is so clear what the first blank is. This first blank is what connects every single one of us. This very first blank is what all of us were born into. All of us can relate to this first blank of the series. You ready? God loves sinners. God loves sinners. Now, I know you're looking at your neighbor like they're one and you're not, but the reality is this first message applies to every single one of us. God loves sinners. And we see it in Luke 15 because when I read the gospel of Luke and the ministry of Jesus, I am intrigued with the people that were attracted to the ministry of Jesus. I'm blown away by the people that were drawn to Jesus. As a matter of fact, I use that as a gauge for my success in ministry because I believe that if we're preaching the same gospel that Jesus preached, we ought to be attracting the same people that Jesus attracted. And how many know Jesus did not attract perfect, put-together, polished people. He attracted ratchet people. He attracted broken people. He attracted people that had some issues. He attracted people that had some problems did you notice that about the ministry of Jesus that every time he opened up his mouth every time he showed up it could have been at a Strauss square people from everywhere showed up to see the ministry of Jesus people that wouldn't go to the synagogue showed up to hear Jesus because he had this magnetism about him that attracted lost broken people I'm telling you I want to be a church that's just like the ministry of Jesus that doesn't attract perfect people but attract people who say I got some issues but I got my eyes fixed on the perfect one and as long as I can get to him he'll fix what's broken in me it's amazing that he didn't just attract broken ratchet messed up people but he also attracted religious people he also attracted the Pharisees and I don't know if the Pharisees were attracted to him or if they were attracted to the fact that sinners were attracted to him and they weren't coming to their synagogues but religious people were attracted to Jesus too and they would show up anytime he would open up his mouth and before we typecast all the Pharisees I know we put them as the villains in the Bible how many know God loved the Pharisees too he didn't just love the broken people he loved the religious self-righteous people too he had a heart for them too the only problem was they couldn't see what he was coming to offer them because it's hard to give medicine to a person who doesn't know they're sick 
It's hard to throw a lifeline to a person that doesn't know they're drowning. And that's why this is the entry point into salvation. This is the entry point into coming to God. You do not come to Jesus with your swag. You do not come to Jesus with your pride. You have to come to him recognizing that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved and that you cannot fix yourself. You cannot help yourself. There's not enough TED Talks. There's not enough podcasts. There's not enough Oprah classes you can watch to get yourself together. You are too broken to get yourself together. Is there anybody in here that's a living testimony of the fact that I know I need some saving? He has to have you approach him as a sinner who knows you need to be saved. And isn't it interesting that both the self-righteous and the ratchet were attracted to Jesus every time he got ready to preach. And here was the self-righteous Pharisees' indictment on Jesus. They wanted to know why he was hanging out with sinners. That's what he was called, the friend of sinners. They wanted to know, why do you keep eating with these sinners? Because to eat with somebody in that culture meant that you accepted them, that you were bringing them into your circle. And he had, a, he had a problem with the Pharisees because they didn't understand if you're really holy and you're really a rabbi, why are you associating with these messed up people? And I love Jesus because he doesn't give them an answer. He doesn't give them an argument. He gives them a story. He said, you want to know why I'm hanging out with them? I'm not going to give you an argument even though I could shut y'all all down. He said, I'm going to give you a story because how many you know storytellers rule the world. There's something about a story that will change your life forever. That's why those of you who are getting baptized today, don't let you being baptized be the end of you telling your story. Everywhere you go, you need to declare what Jesus has done in your life. That's how we overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You ain't got to go to Bible college. You ain't got to memorize the book of Leviticus. Some of you, the best thing you can do is just tell your story of how God saved you. Tell your story of how he redeemed you. Tell your story of how you used to be out in those streets, but look how God has restored you. Tell your story. People get saved and act like they're in the witness protection program. And you don't even tell your real testimony. Tell your testimony. That's what the world needs. We don't need any more people who keep acting like they got it all together. We need somebody that will stand up and say, yes, this is who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. And if God can save somebody like me, I know he can save somebody like you. Don't get it twisted. I used to always know these songs. I used to just stand and just look. He told them a story because if you tell me a truth I might believe if you tell me a fact I might learn but if you tell me a story that story will live in my heart forever so he told him three stories he tells a story about a lost sheep say lost sheep a lost coin say lost coin and a lost son say lost son lost sheep lost coin lost son lost sheep bad lost coin and lost son what is Jesus trying to communicate he is communicating the state of humanity that we are all lost that our default settings are not people who are found our default settings are people who are lost look around the room everybody look around this look around Strauss look around Strauss can I tell you 
in this room, there's really only two categories of people. Lost and found. That's the only category of people you will ever meet. There are lost people and there are found people. And in these three stories that are all connected, he is letting us know that he is obsessed with lost people. That he is obsessed with people who are lost, who don't know their way. This is Luke 15, but in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus will tell you his mission statement for why he came from heaven to earth. He said, I came to seek and to save the who? The lost. He said, that's why I came from heaven to earth. I came to not just save the lost, but to seek out the lost. It's one thing to save them. It's a whole other thing to be actively looking for people who are lost. Anybody in here ever been lost before? You ever been lost? I, I never have. I'm, I'm saved, but no. <laughs> no I, I, I don't remember being lost, but I remember a moment that I'll never forget. My wife Taylor and I were at North Park Mall and we were out in the open area playing with our little humans and they were out in the field running around. And as they're running around, somebody came up to talk to us and we just talked to the person for a second and I will never forget finishing talking to that person and both of us looking out our peripheral going, where's our youngest? Where's Remy? And before you know it, a moment of peaceful playing in a field at North Park Mall turned into panic as we could not find our youngest, Remy. We started screaming and shouting and running all over the field. I will never forget it. And everybody saw our nervous panic because she was nowhere to be found. We started shouting out, Remy, 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 where are you? And other parents saw us running around frantically and they started shouting out, Remy, 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 where are you? And it was the longest three minutes of my life watching my youngest disappear when I thought I had my eye on her. And I'll never forget an officer coming out of the mall with Remy in his hand. And I ran up to the officer and said, thank you so much. And I found Remy. I'll never forget the panic before that moment. I'll never forget looking at that officer saying, thank you so much for finding my baby girl. I'll never forget her face just clueless like, what happened? totally unaware that we almost had a panic attack and a breakdown. But you know what I didn't say in that moment when she was lost? I did not say, yeah, at least I got my other two kids. <laughs> Those words never came out of my mouth. And I tell you that because that put the parable of the lost sheep in context for me because when I first read about the lost sheep and the 99 that everybody shouts about and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one, I'm thinking if I got 100 sheep and I lose one, if I lose 10, I'm good. They're just sheep. But the reason I can say that is because those aren't my sheep and I'm not their shepherd. But when I contextualize it and realize that although I had my two kids, but one was lost in that moment, I was willing to do whatever I could to find that one. I'm trying to tell somebody in this place how your God, the good shepherd, feels about you. It doesn't matter that he loves everybody. He loves you uniquely. He loves you and he will do whatever he has to do to go find the other ones. That's what matters. That's why the shepherd can leave the 91 because the one that's lost is not just another sheep. That sheep has a name. It means something to the shepherd. And he said, I'll do whatever I got to do to go find that one. I'm willing to leave these 99 with somebody else to go find the one that is lost. I'm trying to tell you the most powerful thing you can hear today. 
God does not love us equally. He loves us uniquely. He doesn't love us equally. He loves us uniquely. And until you get that revelation, you just think you're just another sheep. Yeah, 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 yeah. God loves me. No, 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 no. I'm trying to tell you, he will leave the 99 to find you because he loves you uniquely. He loves all your quirks. He loves your idiosyncrasies. He loves you. Why do you think there's not a single person on this planet that has the same fingerprint? It's because our God loves each one of us uniquely. He loves his kids not equally, but uniquely. And he'll say, I'll do whatever I got to do to go get the one. And I'm looking for a church that'll say, I'll do whatever I have to do to go get the one. When the shepherd goes and finds the one, watch what he does. He picks that sheep up, puts it on his shoulders, and carries the sheep home. You know why he carries the sheep home? Because sheep don't know how to find their way back home. I know you were shouting about you being unique, which you are. Ain't nobody like you. You are you. And God loves you uniquely. But there are some similarities that sheep have. Uh, I don't want to insult you. A sheep think they're smarter than they really are. <laughs> sheep need somebody to guide them and protect them because they ain't got no teeth. They don't have no fighting mechanisms. Sheep can get lost easily. Sheep stink. I'm just preaching the word. Sheep have a lot of fear and anxiety. So sometimes they even get scared just by another sheep. Sheep, when they get thirsty and they go to drink some water, if they drink water from a stream that's running, they'll get so busy because they're thirsty. They'll get so busy drinking that they'll get carried away by the thing that they went to quench their thirst. You don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about people that have been so thirsty and you thought that person was going to actually quench your thirst and you ended up getting carried away. They, they can't drink from a running stream. They have to drink from still water. That's why I want to take a praise break right there and thank God for a good shepherd who will guide me by still water because I know I'm going to get thirsty and I don't want to get carried away by the thing I went to quench my thirst by. But thank God for the shepherd that will lead me by still water so my soul can be satisfied. Sheep get lost because they don't know how to find their way home. They need somebody to carry them. It's one thing to be lost like a sheep because when you're lost like a sheep, you know you're lost but you don't know how to get home. But it's another thing to get lost like a coin. Some people are lost like a sheep. They just need somebody to go get them and pick them up and say, come on, this is home. But the reason he tells the parable about the coin is there's a difference between being lost like a sheep and being lost like a coin. Matter of fact, if you're looking for a sheep, all you got to do is listen for the <laughs> and you'll find the sheep. But the problem with being lost like a coin is you don't know you're lost. Coins don't know they're lost. A coin doesn't make noise when it's lost. Coins represent the people who are lost, but you don't know you're lost. People who are lost, but you don't know the value that you have. And it is up to people around you to do what that woman did who cut on the light and swept the house because sometimes you can have incredible value, 
but not know that you're lost. There's some people here who are lost like a sheep, and I came to tell you the good shepherd will carry you home. And there are some of you who are lost like a coin, and you don't even know that you're lost, and yet you carry great value. Somebody comes to play softly behind me as I get ready to land the plane. You remember in Matthew chapter 22, read it when you get to the crib. They tried to trick Jesus, and they said, hey, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And I love Jesus' move. He said, show me a coin, the same type of coin that this woman would have lost. And he says, whose image is on that coin? And they said, Caesar's. He goes, okay, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Do you know a deeper question that I want to ask you today, especially if you're lost like a coin? Whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? Do you realize the image of God is on you? That whether you profess that Jesus is Lord or not, his image is on every single person in humanity. You have never walked past just a regular human. Every single human that you see has an indelible imprint of the hand of God on their life. Humanity is God's artistry. And if you want to know about the artist, look at the face of the art. And the art is every single person you pass every single day. You've never passed an ordinary person. How many of you know that we are all by creation God's children because he put his image on him? And the same thing he said about that coin, he's saying to you, if his image is on you, give back to God what is God's. He wants your life wants your body he doesn't want pieces of you he wants all of you some people are lost like sheep they wander and they don't know how to get home so the shepherd picks them up takes them home some people are lost like a coin they don't know they're lost but yet they have incredible value and somebody has got to cut on a lamp and sweep the house and find you and restore you the third story We didn't read it, but it's about a lost son. And that's a different type of loss. Because this son goes to his father and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Pretty much said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. Dad, I'm tired of being in your house under your rules. I want to do life my way. And there's some people who are lost like that. You want to do life your way. You're tired of the restriction. You want to live how you want to live. And the prodigal son ran out. Said, I'm going to live my life the way I want. I'm tired of the restriction. And if I'm following the story, the same way the shepherd went after the sheep, the same way the woman swept the house and looked for the coin, I'm expecting the father to run after this boy as soon as he's leaving but the father doesn't do it because this boy's lostness is different he chose to leave he asked for his inheritance 
He didn't wander off. He wanted to go. He said, I've got the pride of wanting to live my life the way I want to live my life. And look at the grace of the Father. The grace of the Father said, you want your inheritance? Okay, I'll let you go. And how many you know sometimes the most gracious thing God can do is to let you have your way. Sometimes the most gracious thing God can do is to let you go your way. And the Father did not chase after this boy. He waited until this boy hit rock bottom. He waited until a crisis hit. That's why some of y'all came to Stroud Square right now. You know you wouldn't be in church, but now all of a sudden, life has gotten your attention. Now all of a sudden, the job is gone. The relationship is gone. The thing you put your hope in is gone. All of a sudden, the thing you've been drinking ain't doing it no more. And the thing you've been smoking ain't giving you the same satisfaction. And even in that, it is the grace of God because this is a loving Savior who's been trying to get your attention, saying that thing will never satisfy you. And no, I'm not chasing you but I'm gonna do like that father did I'm gonna stand at a distance and I'm gonna watch every single day and I'm waiting for you to come home and the day that that boy got to the rock bottom and he realized life ain't like this I'm better being a slave in my father's house the day that he came to his senses he said I'm not worthy to be a son so I'll just go back and be a slave and look at him running back to his father's house thinking he's gonna be a slave and not a son but before he could even get to the front door his daddy was there watching him waiting for him to get there and he started running towards him I don't know who this is for today but I'm telling you if you'll just take one step towards God he'll take 20 steps towards you your life is not over he still loves you he's still waiting for you this is a beautiful savior who will run towards the one who says I'm sick of living like this and I'll come home. You would think when this boy got home, he would have got a speech. I told you not to go away. What's wrong with you? But that's not the story Jesus tells. Why do we keep projecting this image on our Heavenly Father, thinking He's waiting to hit you upside your head when you come back home, thinking He's going to remind you of all your mistakes? That's not what the story tells. The story follows the same pattern of the sheep and the coin and the son. When they found the sheep, they turned up and had a party. When the lady found the coin, she rejoiced and had a party. And when that boy who came back, who had wasted his father's inheritance, who made all the wrong decisions, who was broke busted and disgusted he didn't get a speech of how wrong he was he said no 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 y'all get the fatty calf DJ play some music real quick my son was dead but now he's found that is the character of God that if you'll come to him he so loves sinners that the day you return he is ready to throw a party he is ready to rejoice because you're his child and so today before we start this baptism I thought we could have a party I thought that maybe there's somebody here who feels lost like a sheep and you don't know how to find your way home. God told me to tell you he'll pick you up. He'll carry you home. I felt like there's somebody here who maybe you feel lost like a coin and you don't know you're lost. Maybe you don't even know you have value and I came to tell you that the very image of God is on you. You were created in his image. And I'm sweeping the house and cutting on the lamp today saying, this Savior wants relationship with you. And maybe you're lost like this prodigal son. 
who said, I'm sick of being in my father's house, who made a willful decision to go away. And yet the father stood at the house waiting for him to come home and ran towards him. Why did he run towards him? Because God loves sinners. He loves sinners because he is a savior. And all of us need the saving power of this gracious father. So before we start this party, before we start this celebration where over 300 people today are gonna make a public declaration of their faith and going from death to life. I want every person to bow their head and close their eyes because I feel like there's somebody that needs to be added to the guest list. And you don't know why you came today. Maybe you came to watch somebody else get baptized, but God is speaking to your heart. That's what I love about this Savior. He knows how to speak to you directly. Some of you, what you've been going through is God trying to get your attention. He loves sinners. He's not repulsed by you. He's in love with you. So much so that while you were a sinner, when you weren't thinking about him, he already made a decision to give his life for you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, all over Strauss Square, right here in the middle of downtown Dallas today, I want to give somebody, I don't care if it's one person, I want to give somebody an opportunity to come home. We say it all the time here at Social Dallas, you can always come home. And it comes right out of this in Luke 15. That boy didn't think he could come home. He thought he messed up too bad. And I came to tell you, you have not messed up too bad. You can come home. You don't get yourself together to come to Jesus. He didn't have time to take a bath. The father just put a robe on him. He didn't even have time to shower. The father covered him. So if you're here today and say, Pastor Robert, Today's my day. I know God's been calling me home. Today I need to give him my life. I need to surrender my life to him. I'm not asking you if you have relationship with church. I'm asking you, do you have relationship with Jesus? The God who loves you so much. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you all over this place, you say, Pastor Robert, would you include me in this closing prayer? I need to give him my life. Or maybe there was a season in your life you were running after God, but you turned your back and he's calling you back home. You sense him calling you back. You let a church person make you walk away from God and God saying, you projected the character of man and the church onto me. I am a good father who's always ready for you to come home that's you saying I need to give him my life or maybe you need to rededicate your life to him I'm going to ask you to be so bold and so brave just lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I could see it one two three can I see your hand wow hands are going up all over Strauss Square today thank you Jesus thank you Jesus anybody else come on if you lifted up that hand would you stand to your feet unashamed just stand to your feet all over this place today thank you Jesus thank you God look at this look at this thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. God knows how to speak to his kids. That's why you had to be here today. That's why you had to be here today. And come on, this isn't to shame you. Matter of fact, I want everybody to stand and join those that have stand. 
stood to their feet and here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do the same thing they did with the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son when his when they came home there was a party there was rejoicing so if you lifted up your hand this isn't to embarrass you this so we know who to celebrate for I'm just gonna ask you to come out of your seat and come right up here to the front and as you start coming you gonna hear people clapping and cheering you know why because all of us are sinners who've been saved by grace come on I don't care how far you gotta walk if you're all the way in the back I want you to come this is your day of salvation this is your moment come on the day you hear his voice don't harden your heart come on church I need you to turn up for every single person that's coming you ought to shout like it was one of your kids you ought to shout like it was your sister you ought to shout like it was your brother like it was your mama like it was your father coming home Come on, come on. I don't care how far you gotta walk. I promise every step is worth it. Come on, don't stop clapping until people stop coming. Come on. This is what our God does. He'll take you from lost to found, from broken to whole. He'll redeem and restore. Jesus come on they're still coming they're still coming thank you God thank you Lord thank you God anybody else they're still coming they're still coming don't stop the party don't stop the party not when there's kids that are still coming home Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Come on. I don't care what steps you got to walk down. I don't care how far you got to walk. God orchestrated this moment. The only reason I got a microphone is to just echo what your father has been trying to tell you is you can always come home. You can always come home. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's what I want to do. Today's about community. Remember, we ain't leaving until the last person gets baptized. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to deputize you to be an evangelist. You just got your ordination certificate. You're welcome. God bless you. I want you to ask the person on your right, on your left, ask them, do you need to go down? And if they say yes, you come with them. If they say yes, you come with them. Ask them, do you need to come down? I don't want anybody to have to walk down by themselves because the enemy's in their ears saying you can't come down by yourself. So you come with them. Yeah, come on. Come on, come on. Ask them, do you need to go down? Because if they say yes, you come with them. You come with them. This is what the church is about. This is what the church is about. This is why we showed up today. Because he's calling his kids home. Come on. He's not coming to condemn you. He's not a condemner. He's a savior. He's a savior. If you're stuck, he'll save you. If you're addicted, he'll save you. If you're broken, he'll save you.
coming. I know y'all tired of clapping, but the angels in heaven ain't tired of rejoicing. They're still coming. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. For God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son and whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, thank you for the free gift that you paid the price for. Come on, yeah, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, thank you that we don't have to get ourselves together to come to you. We just have to respond. Anybody else? Thank you, God. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you the words. We're going to pray this prayer, but the power is not in the prayer. The power is in this coming from your heart. And watch this. And the power is not just in this moment, it's what happens even after this moment. As you make a decision, you're saying, God, I'm beginning a journey to follow you. But it starts with me recognizing I'm a sinner. And the only thing that can save me is the precious blood that you shed on your cross. That's the only thing that can redeem me, not my good works, not my good behavior. That was the problem with the other son in Luke 15. He thought his behavior is what qualified him for the love of God. Your good works means nothing. It's the finished work of what Jesus has done. So here's what I want us to do all over this place. Can we lift up our hands, but especially those of you at the front, just as a sign of surrender to this wonderful Savior. And I want you to pray this prayer as I give you the words. Say, dear Jesus, today I come to you with my hands lifted because I surrender. Lord, I know I cannot do life without you. I need you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me you got up from the grave for me. And so my response is to surrender all of me for all of you. Jesus, thank you for loving sinners. I know I'm a sinner, but I also know you're a savior. Save me. Set me free. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Come on and give God the best hand clap of praise that you got. Come on, you can do better than that. Would you give Jesus the best shout of praise? You ought to praise him like you know hell lost another one. Hell lost a whole lot. Look at all these people up here that are testifying 
that God loves sinners, but he doesn't just love them. He saves them and he sets them free. Somebody ought to shout like you want all of the city of Dallas to know 